Thank you for listening to the podcast of Antioch Church, a Christian community in Bend, Oregon, being formed by the story of a God who is making all things new, including us. You can learn more at AntiochChurch.org. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, Antioch. I am glad that you're using our digital liturgy today. This is our 13th and final Sunday in the book of Colossians. We started this series way back on January 12th. Uh, Do you remember those days back in January? It was a simpler time back then. Kids went to school, adults went to work. Maybe you even remember when we used to do things like go out to eat or watch sports or maybe even shake someone's hand. The, uh, the world has changed since we started Colossians, but we've decided to stick it out, and I am so glad that we have. I feel like a letter about Jesus, written by someone who's under house arrest, is about as relevant to our current moment as possible. And so today, we're wrapping it up, Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. Um, We've made it through the main body of Paul's letter, and now he is rolling the credits, so to speak. I think for most of us, when we go out to a movie, or when we used to go out to movies in the old world, uh, as soon as the show's over, we're out of there, right? Like, no one really cares about the credits, who the second assistant makeup artist was. I think most of us might be tempted to check out when it comes to a passage like the one we're in today. It's like, just like at the end of the movie, what we have here is essentially a long list of names that really don't mean anything to us. I get that, but we are going to stay in it. We're gonna sit in Colossians until they turn the lights on Uh, for a couple reasons. The first reason is that as it says in 1 Timothy, all scripture is God breathed and therefore is useful. So we receive every single part of the Bible as a gift from God. Um, And secondly, there's actually some really cool stuff in these verses. So we're going to dive in. In, uh, Let's start with verse 7 and 8. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He's a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. So as the credits begin to roll, Paul makes a point to acknowledge and affirm the guy who is delivering his letter to the church in Colossae. Paul Paul has this message that God has given him to share with Christ's church, but Paul is actually dependent upon this other guy, Tychicus, to uh, get the message out. So Paul is the preacher but Tychicus is the messenger. And not just of Colossians, but also of Paul's letters to the Ephesians and to Philemon. So I want to take a moment to acknowledge and to affirm the guy who is making it possible for this message to be delivered to our church in the midst of this lockdown. Kip Jones is the modern-day Tychicus. 
I may be the preacher, but he's the messenger. He's the guy who has worked countless hours over the last few weeks, moving our entire operation online, running our web page, building the digital liturgy site, shooting and editing videos, sending out all the e-news, and all of that on top of all the administrative and financial and organizational loads that he already carries. Kip, if you don't know, has been Antioch's secret sauce for almost 15 years now, since the very beginning of the church. And he's the man behind this whole digital operation. And I honestly don't know how churches without Kips are doing it. Um, but it's not just what he does, it's who he is. I would get, even go so far to use the same words that Paul uses to describe Tychicus. That Kip is a dear brother a faithful minister, and a faithful servant of the Lord. I'm super grateful for him. I hope you are too. And by the way, Monday, next Monday is Kipper's birthday. So go ahead and send him some digital love this week. Uh, let's move on. In verse 9, um, he is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. Okay, so here we have one of those verses that would be really easy to just breeze by, but this is actually one of the craziest things in this whole letter. The first readers of this would have been shocked to hear Paul say that Onesimus was a faithful and dear brother who was one of them. It sounds like crazy talk. And here's why. The reason is because Onesimus was well known in Colossae as the slave who had robbed his master and then run away, which was a very big deal, punishable by death. The master was a guy named Philemon, who was a member of the church in Colossae. And so everyone in the church knew about Onesimus, the runaway slave, and none of them knew what had happened to him or where he had gone. But apparently what had happened is that when Onesimus fled from Colossae with Philemon's money, at some point he met Paul. And Paul led Onesimus to Christ and they became friends. And then Paul gets imprisoned. And in that day, the Roman government didn't provide any amenities for prisoners. You were totally dependent upon your family or your friends to bring you food and supplies and to communicate with the outside world for you. And so Onesimus, this runaway slave from Colossae who had stolen from his former master and was on the go, he becomes Paul's go-to guy while he's on the inside. And then at some point in the relationship, Paul realizes that Onesimus is the same guy who had robbed his friend Philemon in Colossae. And so Paul sees this as a perfect opportunity for the gospel of reconciliation to do its thing. Paul writes a letter to Philemon. We have it in our New Testament. Telling Philemon that Onesimus, his former slave, has now come to Christ. And Paul encourages Philemon to forgive Onesimus and to welcome him back into his household. Not only that, Paul writes the letter and then he gives it to Onesimus to deliver to Philemon. So you can imagine how intense that initial encounter must have been. How terrified Onesimus must have been to go up and knock on Philemon's door. But he does it, and he gives Philemon Paul's letter, 
And that's how Philemon finds out that his runaway slave has become a fellow follower of Jesus. And there he is on his doorstep to make things right. So in verse 15 of the letter, Paul writes to Philemon, Perhaps the reason Onesimus was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. So you can imagine Philemon beginning to process all of this new information. Okay, Onesimus had wronged me, and I could have him put to death right now. But he's here, and he's a new man, a fellow believer. So I'm going to forgive him, and I'm going to bring him back to my household as a hired hand. I'm not going to press charges. I'm going to let him come back and work for me. He can stay in the bunkhouse with the rest of the servants. But then Philemon keeps reading the letter. And he gets to the part in the letter where Paul says in verse 16, Take Onesimus back, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He's not a slave anymore. He's your brother. And here is where we see that this story isn't just about forgiveness. It's about something way bigger. This is what, the, what it looks like when the reconciling power of Jesus begins to upheave social norms. The message of this story is that the grace of God that's been given to us in Christ is strong enough to make a slave and his master recognize one another as brothers. So this, of course, is a brilliant display of the gospel. That Jesus doesn't save us to be his slaves, but his siblings. Because we are in Christ, we are accepted as beloved children of the Father. So that everything that's true about Jesus has now been made true about us. It's a beautiful story. So back in Colossians 4, when Paul tells them that Onesimus is his faithful and dear brother and that he is one of them, that would have been a mind-blowing thing for them to read. So, don't skip the credits. There's good stuff in here. Next, I won't read this whole section, but in verses 10 through 14, Paul goes on to basically extend greetings from several of the friends that are with him. He names off some of his ministry companions, saying hi for them and sending their love to the Colossian church. So, most of the people Paul names are characters uh, we find in the book of Acts when we learn about Paul's missionary journey. So we know something about most of these characters. So let's just run through them really quickly. First, you have Aristarchus, who's basically this grizzled POW for the kingdom of God. He's with Paul doing hard time in prison because he had posed a political threat to the empire by publicly proclaiming that Jesus, not Caesar, is Lord. Next in verse 10, we have Mark or John Mark, who's the same Mark that Paul had gotten in this huge fight with about 10 years earlier. And he had made Paul so mad that Paul actually kicked him off the mission trip and sent him home. Now, apparently at some point in the last 10 years, Paul and Mark have been reconciled to each other and they're actually good now. And eventually Mark, this former pain in Paul's side, goes on to write one of the accounts of Jesus' life, the Gospel of Mark. So he's, he's there too. 
Uh, next, we have some guy named Jesus in verse 11. His name Jesus, but he's not the Jesus. It turns out Jesus uh, was one of those names in the first century uh, that would be a little confusing to have. And so everyone just calls this guy Justice, and that's really all we know about him. Uh, next, we have Epaphras, who, if you remember, we met briefly way back in chapter 1. He's the guy who first brought the gospel of Jesus to Colossae, and he's the one who's been keeping Paul in the loop about everything that God is doing there. And so we're told here in verses 12 and 13 that Epaphras is a man of prayer. Paul tells the Colossians that Epaphras is working hard for them. He's working hard, and that work is prayer. He's praying for them, interceding for them, that they would stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. Uh, next we have Luke, the doctor. Uh, this is the guy uh, who would later write both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, or basically uh, almost a quarter of the entire New Testament. He's there with Paul as well. And then finally we have this guy, Demas. Uh, we really don't know much about Demas other than that Several years after this, we're told in uh, 2 Timothy, we find out that Demas ends up abandoning Christ and leaving Paul and leaving the faith altogether. Okay, so that's Paul's ministry team while he's under house arrest. And here's what I love about his group of friends. This is, by all standards, a very unlikely posse. Um, first, Paul lists six men in this section, and three of them, Aristarchus, Mark, and Justice, are Jewish, and the other three, Epaphras, Luke, and Demas, are Gentiles. So what we have here is a picture of cultural and ethnic diversity within the body of Christ. It's that beautiful gospel of reconciliation again. People that would never get along in the wild becoming brothers and sisters in the family of God. Um, not only do we have cultural diversity, but there's also socioeconomic diversity represented in this group. On one hand, you have this medical doctor, and on the other hand, you have this runaway slave, and they're hanging out together, rich and poor, educated and simple, all part of the same group. So it'd be easy to miss this, but these closing credits are packed with little glimpses of the gospel. Uh, as we move on in verses 15 through 17, Paul calls out several individuals and groups of people that he wants to specifically name, honor, and encourage. He mentions the church nearby in Laodicea. Uh, a woman named Nympha, who was most likely a wealthy widow who served Christ by opening her home as a place where the church could gather. And this guy named Archippus, who was probably one of the pastors or, or elders of the church in Colossae. Um, here's what I love about how Paul is wrapping up this letter. For him, the gospel is clearly not about a set of abstract ideas. The gospel is about people. People with names, people with faces, people with stories, people with unique roles and giftings and callings in the kingdom of God. 
He names them. He thanks them. He honors them as a way of encouraging them to persevere in the work that God's given them to do. And so uh, I want to do a similar thing this morning. And specifically as we find ourselves facing this COVID pandemic, the greatest global crisis since World War II, there is one group of people within our church body that I want to specifically honor and encourage today. And that group is the medical professionals among us who are on the front lines of battling this disease. The doctors and nurses, the EMTs, midwives, PAs, paramedics, and others in our congregation who are literally risking their lives to bring healing and care for those in our city who are sick. And so I want to honor you today. I'm going to acknowledge the unique role that God has placed you in as medical professionals on the front line of this disease. And so we give greetings to Amy Cameron, Jeremy and Beth Guy, Brett Singer, Dan and Alyssa Haro, Ellen Dawson, Jen Paulson, John Erickson, John Hanshue, Casey Talcott, Carrie Riley, Carrie Gillette, Kirsten Chavez, Christy Runberg, Lynn Becker, Megan Bellig, Shelby Olafson, Steve Vossler, and Val Leonardo. And I'm sure there's more that I'm missing. And if that's you, then I want you to hear this too. We are so thankful for you all. And we're proud of you. We're inspired by you. And we are with you and we are praying for you. And you may or may not think of your job as ministry. But I'm here to tell you, now more than ever, you are doing the Lord's work. You are bearing the image of Christ by working towards the healing and care of those in need, of those who are sick, of those who are in pain. And so we thank you and we honor you. Paul closes the letter uh, in verse 18. He says, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. This is the point where Paul uh, apparently takes the pen from the secretary who he's been dictating to, and he writes these words himself, both as a sign of authenticity, so they know it's really from him, but really as a sign of affection. This is his personal touch. And his final words are, grace be with you. This is essentially Paul's way of summing up not just the entire book of Colossians, but really his understanding of the gospel. The good news of Jesus is a message of grace. It's all about grace. Dallas Willard defines grace as God's action in my life to accomplish what I cannot accomplish on my own. In the end, neither this letter nor our lives are about us and what we should be doing. 
It's all about the grace of Jesus, who he is and what he's done through his life, death, and resurrection to launch this cosmic revolution to make all things new, including us. The title of our series has come from the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 11. that says here, in the kingdom of Jesus, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Christ is all. We live with him. We die with him. We will rise with him. I'll close with a quote from Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom was a Dutch follower of Jesus whose family uh, opened their home to Jews who were hiding from the Nazis during the Holocaust. And eventually she was caught and arrested and she was sent to a Nazi concentration camp where she spent her first three months there in solitary confinement. Years later, she reflected back on that horrible time and the way that God met her in the midst of it all. And that's when she famously wrote, you will never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Antioch, may Christ be all to you during these difficult days. May you find him in the ordinary, in the unexpected, in the solitude, and even in the sense of loss that we're all experiencing. If you have nothing else, but you have Christ, you have it all. Grace be with you. I will see you back here next Sunday for Easter. Can't wait.